Hello and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Will Favo, who is the CEO of Optimize RX, which is actually a NASDAQ company and a leading provider of digital health solutions for doctors, life science companies, and patients. And I also understand that by now you're connecting over 50% of healthcare providers in the US with millions of patients. So welcome to the show, Will. Thank you. It's so nice to be here today. Well, as I was doing my research on your background, and of course, your chairman connected us because he thinks you have an amazing experience. I was figuring out what pieces do I say about you in terms of best practices, because you've had so much experience. You've built several companies and you've got an amazing team. I experienced that as, I, as we were setting this up. And not only are you successful in business, but then I also know you do work with the United Nations of Greater Boston. You are a faculty member at MIT's program. I don't know what you want to say, but but there must be some underlying points that have you have so much success in so many different areas in life. Could you say something about that? Yeah, sure. And before I start, Gus, I recently had a wonderful moment with Gus, who's our chairman, but he's become a friend and a mentor to a degree. And we had a meeting in Charlotte where he lives. And he picked, so first of all, he picked me up at the airport, right? That doesn't happen very often in Hmm. business world where your chairman's picking you up in a COVID time, just wonderful. So he's just a great person. And then I, a memory lane tour, as we caught up on business, I saw where he went to high school and where he did almost all good things as a teenager and just got some great (laughs) stories in color and and got to know him better. And And I just say that one to recognize Gus, but two, That's kind of what got me to where I am. I've been really lucky in life to either be born as the third child, be, have moved a lot with my parents and my dad was with GE. So we moved often and thrown into situations. And so I just am blessed with lots of wonderful experiences with amazing people, both positive and negative, which I think at the end of the day culminates into who you are, which ultimately then is how you're going to react to tough situations, whether it's crisis or leading a business. So anyway, I've been so, so blessed to have so many people in my life, literally thousands of people all around the world in my life. And as you know, as a global person, the more languages you speak, the more worlds you know, And, Mm -hmm. and you start to connect situations where you can help people faster and decisively and and really listen. So I've just been so lucky and I've had my share of failures and successes and those give you the humility you need to be a good human. But yeah, in general, I've just been very lucky. I've been around people who have, have helped me grow as a person. Well, that's interesting that you were to use the word connecting because that's pretty much what your company does now. And I guess you also have a I don't know what you would call it, a skill set or whatever, being innovative, because my understanding is you were sitting there with your brother and all of a sudden you had this thought about how you can connect doctors and situations. And it started off with your other company, MedPanel, that you then sold. And then you said you learned as much by, by some negative experiences or some challenges as well. And I understand you ended up buying the company back because the market just took a dive. Can you say something about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think in my 20s, I was really, I was fortunate enough to work in a 
big company that one day the CEO said, does anyone speak languages? And I was in the back of the room, raised my hand. I was in Michigan. Not many people spoke languages there, or at least didn't mm-hmm. want to admit it. And and so I had spent my 20s jumping around the world doing M&A and integration work and a whole bunch of different cultures. So instead of an MBA, I went and hung out in Melbourne and Frankfurt and Sao Paulo and Buenos Aires, Japan, China. And boy, was that an eye-opener to business. And yeah, so I, I but I got to the point where I really had no life. I was hanging out with people three times my age, it felt two times my age, and moved to Boston, lived with my brother and was surrounded by residents in medical school and just listening to them and certainly had tons of friends in the life science world. And the two just, just couldn't communicate effectively. They just, mm. and they're absolutely interdependent. I mean, without one, there is no other. So, mm. so it sort of, it did, it hit me and said, you know what? I love connecting people. I really get turned on by technology. I don't want to be in the industrial world. I want to be in the tech world. And I was 28 at the time. So I just made that commitment and my brother and I formed a company and bought a small focus group company and turned it into one of the first online focus group companies. And I would say the first five years were were terrific. We built it up. It was in a great market. It was the internet boom. We were sort of a not, not traditional internet play. We didn't take the big money. We just did it the old fashioned way. And we did end up selling it, which was a wonderful thing for everyone. And then very quickly became a horrible thing because we lost all that value we built. We lost in a year and a half after selling it. So how did you make it through that? It was hard. I'll be honest. I I struggled with failing for other people. For myself, I've, I've never been highly motivated by money. So seeing numbers go from lots of zeros to no zeros that it was frustrating but that that really didn't keep me up at night it was more letting people down that mm. and this this will tie to crisis right is when you don't do what you've said you think you can do because you really believed it that's really hard. I mean, you, yeah. you, you wear it. I mean, you are naked in front of the world that you can't hide. You have to, well, you can hide, but you shouldn't hide. And, and that was a hard year. My, I luckily have a great partner, my wife, she, she's stuck there and, and helped me think through that. And I think I came out of that a lot stronger and ultimately the entire market crashed. So yeah, during the crash, everyone was feeling it. And I did know that my investors, this was a, an investment, but not going to change their life. But it was very hard to process that. I'm not someone who likes to fail other people. And that's that was probably the biggest pressure there. Yeah. And then, I of course, wonder, did you struggle in leading people? I was always overwhelmed by, I felt overwhelmed when I was younger, when I'd see CEOs and I had the, I was just lucky enough to meet a lot of leaders uh, in business and politics. And they always seemed so calm to me. And it was kind of annoying. Like, how can they, <laughs> how can they be so calm? It almost felt like arrogance. But as I went through life, I realized that if, you, if you're passionate about something, if you're, if you feel like you're an owner, even if you're not. But you just feel like you are if you, you're surrounded by great people and the culture, the culture slowly becomes about your what you feel passionate about. Right. And you surround mm-hmm. yourself with smarter people. Then all of a sudden you've got a purpose and that purpose gives you calm. And, and so crisis is all relative. If you can bring some perspective and you've got all those pieces in place, then you have less issues. And I, I've been very fortunate on bringing people together, bringing that excitement that attracts people. I have no issue. Matter of fact, I prefer to be around people who know more than me because it's just, frankly, it's more interesting. I'm more of a builder fixer than a just sort of hangout person. And so I would say, though, when I am hiring, one thing I've struggled with when hiring 
is if someone's not working, I tend to wait a little too long. And, and that's not good for anybody. That's not good for the company. It's not good for the person. It's not good for me. But I, I tend to really believe in people. And that can cloud my judgment sometimes where you just have to say, you know what, this isn't working and that is okay. And it's one of those lessons that I learned. Luckily, it's it happens less frequently. But I would always say literally the 10 seconds after the initial conversation, which is so hard when you, you're telling someone that, that you don't want them in your group, everyone feels better. I would just say it's almost always better for all involved after that conversation. And if your gut's telling you that's the case, you should do it sooner rather than later because because everyone moves on faster. So then is there anything that surprised you about leading people? Because I know you you believe one of your best practices is hiring up. And you would think if you hire up and hire smart, you would never have issues <laughs> leading people. So what has surprised you? I think I communicate really well and effectively in my head. And and some of the, <laughs> some, I'm really good with myself. I think sometimes people, at least people who report directly to me, feel like they don't always know. And, and so I've been given that constructive criticism to just let's talk more frequently about where we're going. When did you first discover that, Will? I think was in med panel when I'm up at 5 a.m. and work until 11 and how can not how can everyone involved not know everything about the company and have the, you know, just that drive? And it was sitting in a meeting and basically someone said, like, I don't even know what we're doing as a company. And I just, mm. I just heard that. And I said, I don't understand. What do you mean? And I said, well, what, what are we really doing? And I said, you mean our vision, our mission, our purpose? I mean, it was up on the wall. It was around us 24-7. We were working. And no, they said, no, like, why are we, what's this have to do with what we do? And I just realized that there are all these micro decisions that happen in, in my position that other people just don't see. And when you don't see them and you're not part of them, it's hard to connect them all. And when you're in a startup, high growth, multiple investors, boards, employees, partners, clients, it's it's a lot. And so it hit me that you just need to say it over and over again, and you're still going to get people saying, I'm a little confused, and you just have to stay on it. And I found that true no matter the brightest group around you, you still have to do it. Matter of fact, sometimes you have to do it more because they they demand more, right? They they want to know what the three year, five year plan is because they're they're thinking like that. So, and that's a good thing. That's a good pressure, but that's that's one of the things that I'm constantly working on. Wow, I'm so grateful you shared that story because I guarantee there's a lot of leaders that can relate to that one. And after realizing that blind spot, you're now better at connecting the dots for people as to how this relates to everything. So very important point. And then I also saw in one of your videos, you were playing billiards. So are you also good at connecting things there? Well, let me, yeah. So what's really fun about that video is it was the first time someone said, share some wisdom in a recorded format. I do a lot of mentorship through that, through that MIT program and other. I love doing that. But like you, the day gets full. So I was at home and I was trying to figure out how to record myself saying these things, which first of all, just felt awkward. And my son and daughter, who were at the time 15 and 11, said, oh, well, we'll do it. We, we know how to use your phone better than you. So just get, just like do something natural. And I happened to be sitting on the pool table and they're like, play pool. <laughs> they wanted me to play the whole time. But the truth is I'm a terrible pool player. So <laughs> yeah, this is what I do with my time. And 
I'm not very good, but we just did one shot. I made sure it went in and we moved to the couch very fast. Well, so then as we start to wrap up the show, what last piece of advice do you have for leaders who may not have been through crisis other than COVID and potentially they're going to face a lot more in this world? Yeah. Well, the guarantee is it will come at some point when you don't expect it and you think you should have known and could have could have expected it, but you won't and it'll happen. But you just have to know that it's a culmination of your life experience applied in times of stress, right? And you try to dig into that calm, give some perspective to whoever it is. I always find you need to sort of distinguish between a we or a me crisis because people will come to you with mm-hmm. their own their own crisis, which is really from your perspective, mini crisis, right? It's it's something that's personal to them, whether it's incentive related or professional or, or personal and professional mix, which is mostly the case. And then listen and, and try not to, the, the one thing someone told me once was don't ever tell people you had the same experience because it, it immediately makes them feel like, okay, so this is no longer my experience. It's now we're talking about you. And, and that's not, that's not a good way to get people to get over it. So I would say just, yeah, be calm, listen, let it be about them and give them some perspective. Fantastic. Well, I happen to know that you've got some job openings. And if I were looking, I sure would be tempted to apply because having a leader who's been through so much, I think is certainly an advantage. And people want to know more about your company, they can go to OptimizeRx and I'll put that in the description. But Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you being open and it was fun. And I'm very grateful that Gus connected us. So thank you for making the time to to share with other leaders. Thank you. And thanks for doing this on behalf of anyone in the leadership position or people trying to get there, there's nothing more powerful than sharing them. And it's really hard to do today. So thank you.